This is a podcast of two type A girls working hard to untangle the BS stories and expectations related to this illusion of perfection. Life is hard enough without adding pressure to be more, do more, be the best. It's an ever moving target. And so, in an attempt to inch closer to our authentic selves, the vulnerable, messy, and uniquely beautiful, we have decided to push back. Bit by bit, we are untangling society's demands of us, sinking in to our own intuition. If something makes us feel more alive, we're doing more of that. If something drains us, we're gonna practice removing ourselves. This is a journey we hope you'll join us on. Together, we will explore insights, tips, and tricks, all in an attempt to help you uncover your truest, most authentic self. All right, we're here. We're all quiet. We're like, who's talking? (laughs) I always let you talk first. (laughs) (laughs) I just know. Okay, we are so excited because today we, I know last time we said we had an expert with us, or a few times ago, and we did, but it was not but. It was Maddie herself, which was awesome. And then I did one on leadership, but tonight we have an actual guest with us, and we are super excited to see how this style goes and to kind of bring a different perspective in um, for us. So tonight we have Jess, and she is actually, I'm just going to let you introduce yourself and tell us all about yourself professionally and a little bit personally. And Ooh. Then we'll talk about the topic. Oh, okay. Yes, my name's Jess. So I'm a licensed professional counselor in Texas. So me and my longtime therapist buddy, we actually have another podcast and we had done some things about uh, thought errors, which is what we're going to talk about today. So um, Maggie and Maddie wanted me to come on to talk a little bit about that. So uh, I guess professionally, I do private practice. It's all telehealth. So I get to see people from the comfort of my home and I got a pretty good variety on my caseload. It's mostly kind of bread and butter anxiety and depression, but, um, you know, talk a lot about, you know, relationship issues. Some people have anxiety to the point of, you know, not wanting to leave their home and some big kind of post COVID impact, things like that. So a lot of gradual exposure hierarchy. And then any other points professionally I should cover? I feel like no, I think you have a pretty, a little bit of a diverse background. You haven't always been private practice. Yeah, so I worked with, um, we call them like forensically involved patients. So patients who got in trouble with the legal system and they really encouraged them to go get some <laughs> help. Forensically involved. Yeah, forensically involved, right? So court-ordered people and that was dealing with like substance abuse. And then mm-hmm. I worked with domestic violence perpetrators for quite a long time as well doing... Um, you know, a lot of like anger management, communication skills. So that's where I kind of got my startup and got all my, my hours was in the realm of substance use and the forensic population. Right so into the hard stuff. Yeah. The stuff that, which I'm like, of all the people who need some support, you know, we need to get like the really seasoned clinicians, but they throw a lot of newbies at that population, which is unfortunate, you know, but that is what it is. It's hard work and government doesn't pay a lot for it. So mm-hmm. that's what it is. Yeah. All right, that's a good intro, I think. Mm. I mean, just a side note, not necessarily relevant to her professional life at all, just happens to be my my cousin. <laughs> so we just had this insider scoop to this other podcaster that could lend us some perspective because I think this idea of thought errors or thought distortions or whatever all the terms are um, kind of come up for a lot of us. And definitely 
possibly could or do play a role in many of the other topics we've covered potentially. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to kind of dive in and um, yeah, yeah, get your opinion and then maybe some of our side tangents that um, we think are related and you can tell us if we're wrong in that. But in this, <laughs> I think, can you just start by... Our favorite thing ever, every podcast ever, pretty much that we do starts with definitions, which I think is extra important here because we're saying like thought errors and cognitive distortions and all this stuff probably sounds like super scientific and scary. Um, Mm -hmm. But more than likely, as we talk about this, everybody's gonna be like, oh, like I experience that all day long. So yeah, (laughs) give us a breakdown. Give us a breakdown. (laughs) I am more messed up than I thought. Yeah, but (laughs) God, there's words for what I do. Holy cow. Yeah. So well, I guess to kind of back up one step further. So thought errors are a term that we use in a framework of counseling called cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and what cognitive behavioral therapy basically says is there's a chain of events that happen. So we have some kind of triggering thing that occurs that interacts with core beliefs that we have. Those core beliefs cause thoughts to be produced. Those thoughts create emotions and those emotions create behaviors. And then this pattern is strengthened or weakened depending on the kind of feedback that we get. So what cognitive behavioral therapy says a thought error is, is basically there's a point in this thought chain, this this behavioral process that's causing the cascading events to be disruptive. So to put it in different words, they're a, they're a way of thinking that causes negative outcomes. So, and I say that they're negative because they don't pass what is called the useful and true test. So they're basically thought habits that occur based on our experiences that are either not grounded in reality or are not really useful for outcomes that we're desiring. So when we say thought errors, that's what we're referring to. There's some way of thinking that's off for us that's causing emotional distress and behavioral outcomes that we don't really enjoy. That might have been too wordy even. but No, not, no. I, I do wonder because when I was like listening to things you're talking about or thinking about it, like Maddie had mentioned a couple other terminology and it may or may not be worth differentiating between that. Mm. But the idea of like one thing we had seen was like thought distortions, like distorted thinking mm-hmm. or like that cognitive distortions. Like I ran across that a lot. Yep. Is it worth differentiating or is there a difference between any of those vocab wise? Yeah, good question. No, they're all used, they're all synonyms. So this could be irrational okay. thoughts, thought errors, cognitive distortion. Um, they're all used like That's helpful. interchangeably. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know why we have so many different words for it. I think because when you tell somebody you're, you're having irrational thoughts, it can be kind of offensive. <laughs> so I think we just mix it up to keep it from, you know, we're not saying that somebody's being like, we're not saying that the their reaction is irrational, but the insistence on hanging on to a thought might be irrational. So we, we label it that way. Yeah, thought oh, errors, thinking right. errors, cognitive distortions, irrational thoughts, automatic negative thoughts. These are all terms that we use. And is it correct okay. that there's, um, I actually was introduced to this first in like my own therapy. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I was provided a list of like however many. Is there like a definitive number of cognitive distortions? That's a, You'd think that would be more concise considering how like uh, kind of methodical 
cognitive behavioral therapy is in general, but it kind of depends on who, what list you're pulling. So we have like nicknames for them just to, I think when you label it, it makes it easier to, to use them. So some of it just depends on what labels people are using. Um, but there's not really defined. There's, I probably say there's probably about 20 something wow. that most people. Can you people... give an example maybe just to give us a frame of reference, like uh, and sure. of a couple very common ones that like the everyday person may experience. Yes. So I actually was thinking about this in my kind of prep of like, which ones pop up the most. So I think the one that I think a lot of people can relate to, especially with y'all's podcast, would probably be what we call black and white thinking. Or all, oh, Maddie. All or nothing <laughs> thinking. She, she self-identifies every episode. I do. And I was listening to a podcast in preparation too, and they brought it up and what did they say? I wrote it down. It's like the basis of perfectionism is rooted in yeah. black and white thinking. And I was like, yep. Yep. Which would say basically I'm going to do it perfectly or I'm not going to do it at all. Or uh-huh. my way or the highway, or something's zero percent or right 100%. or it's wrong, yeah, right or wrong, yeah. And so that and that can come up with a lot of just rigidity in general, which yeah. perfectionism is one that comes up a lot in that rigid vein. Um, okay, so one. already you're tapping into us. You're great at your job. Okay, what's <laughs> um, another potentially common one? A big one, and people use this. I use like I like to use the word rumination. Um, thought loop is another term, but oh, I use the word spiral. We're spiraling. But yes, all kinds of same. So a, 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 to ruminate. So there's like animals, like you know, cows and and goats, where they don't have top teeth, right? And so they have to chew their cud over and over again, and have multiple stomachs where they'll vomit it back up, revisit it, chew it, vomit it back up. What and a so, tangent. Okay. So rumination is this process of like swallowing, digesting, revisiting. And so we're doing that with our with our brains where we can't just swallow it and let it go. And move on. Except yeah, we keep, yeah. it's we probably keep helpful it. for the cows, but not so much for us. I'm guessing. <laughs> There's probably a biological reason for them. Not so much in our brains. Us, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I that looks that. like basically getting... I noticed this a lot comes up with like worry and resentment where maybe we're playing mm-hmm. conflicts on a loop or we tend to maybe, maybe obsessive, you know, get a little obsessive about things on our plate. That'd be like rumination, just like revisiting the same topics. And there's not mm-hmm. really a lot of like movement on there, but that's really common okay. with anxiety. So that's, I okay. do that yes, for sure. Yes. Rumination, um, um, victim stance and personalization is another big one. So basically just overestimating how much the world revolves around you. So, we all People do probably it. aren't do we all do it right because we're egocentric by nature we it's hard to understand the complexity of other people's minds you know so where we'll victim stances we think that people are doing things to us when they're really not they're just doing them and personalization would same things be that this is about me or somebody's blaming me for this thing um it's just over anticipating of our space in the universe but those are those are other big ones too i don't know if that resonates with you guys yeah i mean these are I feel like if we ended at just three, <laughs> to think that there's 20 sounds. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot. But these three, I feel like, are probably good jumping off uh, frame there. of reference. When we're talking about things, like, this would be a good starting point. For sure. So, my first question in this was, we realize we have some of these things, right? Like, yeah. many of us, all of us, all of us, probably. Everyone does Definitely this. have some distorted, irrational error thinking at some point. So what are the, maybe not red flags, but the signs Mm. that you are having a thought error? That's a good question. And like, so out of that 20 something list, we'll all have our own 
top our top ones that we'll use uh-huh, uh-huh. so like our individual th- kind of red flags that go off might vary depending on the kind of thought error that you're using okay right yeah. so i think the the best way in general is if you're having a high emotional state that's a time to check in of like let me back in because one step down the behavior chain from feelings is thoughts right then from thoughts so like we work backwards so for super high stress really angry feeling deregulated we can pause and say, what was the thought I was having right before I entered this emotional state? Um, so that's kind of the, the, when you're first doing thought errors, that's the, the biggest kind of check in point. The more you pick out your own ones and what ones you use, lots of times it's stuff like hyperbolic language. So we're saying, or thinking things like everyone, no one, every time, always, none of the time, never. always yeah. like really extreme language that can be reflective of a lot of different thought errors. Um, and then, you know, sometimes it's that we're just stuck in patterns. So we keep doing the same thing over and over again, or we keep getting the same outcomes. That could also be a time to check in of hmm, maybe the way that I'm thinking about this earlier on is impacting the rest of this process, you know. But there can, you know, when you guys start picking out what your own thought errors are, you'll, you'll notice little antennas will go up. Like shoulds is another one. We talk about that. Oh, we've been shoulding all over yourself, right? So if you ever notice the word should come up in your thought life, that's a moment to pause and say, like, is this a thought error going on there? So it kind of just depends. But for sure, if you're high emotional distress, that's the time to pause to check in on where your brain was right before you felt that way. Maggie, you and I, like, I feel like every episode circle back to, like, gotta have awareness, gotta have awareness. Um, it's on my list. You know it's on my yeah. list right here. <laughs> and so it's, it is encouraging, like, to hear, and I agree with it. It's not easy, but I think that's where this all starts is you have to draw that awareness to when these things are popping up to even begin untangling or tackling them. Totally. Just in a lot of our episodes, I almost – I mean, there's a very big theme, right? So she said that awareness is comes up in many of our topics. I think we've started to develop our own system of like three steps, right? So like, mm-hmm. uh, Maddie, help me. It's like awareness, action, okay, or something's inaction. happening. Like awareness, acknowledge, acknowledge the feeling, validate the mm-hmm. thought, the feeling, whatever. And then is this requiring action or inaction? So like we've kind of identified and I feel like that would, and I did write down those three things. Um, this would apply like, okay, we have an awareness that we're having this. We're acknowledging like, okay, this is happening, right? Like we're aware something's happening. Then we acknowledge, like we actually name it or label it or identify in this situation, like which error it is. And then we determine whether or not that requires us to act in the same way or a different way or, if it requires nothing, like it can just be a passing thought and we don't have to, it doesn't require our action. Right. And so I think that's also encouraging Maddie that a similar tool that we've embedded throughout many of our themes, right. Like also could be applicable in this situation. Right. Yeah, totally. And I think the idea of like, I mean, I've been doing this for a while. So maybe the mind blowing thing happened gradually, but like when you come to a point where you realize like my the way that I'm thinking might not be reality. Like that sounds simple, <laughs> but when you think like the way that you're thinking might be flawed, that's a concept that most of us don't really do outside of cognitive behavioral therapy to say, Hey, let's go ahead and check in on these thoughts because you know, just because you're mad doesn't mean that somebody did something wrong just because you're stressed. You know, have you seen the quote? Like, don't believe everything you think. I'm sure 
Like that was huge for me when I first heard that. And I was like, what are you talking about? But now I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe half the crap that comes into my brain. (laughs) She is crazy up there. (laughs) Yeah, it's wild. I do. There's a podcast Maddie and I have listened to before. It's called, and I literally listened right before this, called Unfuck Your Brain. And she, this is kind of what she does, right? Like, and it talks so much like how she frames it is like the stories that we're telling ourselves and not all stories are true right so like not everything is fact like Mm -hmm. some of it is fiction and so being able to identify what that story is or what story you're creating or narrative you're creating about a situation yeah I think for me it comes up like in our concept of this podcast right like sinking into ourselves and trusting our intuition and being authentic And so, like, my biggest thing that I wrote was, like, so when our brain is flawed, right, like, the story's flawed, but whatever, or could be, potentially, and we may or may not, at this point, be able to identify if it's flawed or not, like, real or not, right, or the validity to our thoughts, Mm. how can we then trust ourselves if our mind is telling us falsities yes (laughs) yeah and that's and that can feel like two different messages I think even sometimes it's like okay we're saying like our emotions are valid right well then it's like well yeah you know so it's hard to kind of like know what's going on there and I that's the reason I like the useful and true test to test to test for a thought error because there's times where your thoughts in your emotional reaction could be totally valid and very true however they're not serving you Oh, I love that. And so I think there's a space of saying, okay, this is all real. And this actually is viewing things accurately. Uh, However, I, I don't think me being stressed and mad about this for the next 10 years is going to be super helpful. It's like, where do we go from here? You know? And so uh, that's kind of the first things I teach clients is like, like you said, awareness. And it's checking in that we have that. And then we pass it through that useful and true test. And so if it doesn't answer yes to both, that's when we need action. On something meaning if is it's useful, this useful and is this true correct yes so if it's useful and true probably not a thought error like there's probably something else going on maybe you just need to self-soothe maybe there's a legitimate like boundary that's been violated and your anger is totally proportionate there could be all kinds of things going on there and it's very possible that it could be one of those things and still require it could be action. super useful to you like to have this thought or perception right. you can make that very useful Right, but it may not be true, or the opposite, like you said. Right, it's gonna be like a victim stance, right? Where like, yes. oh, it helps me not have accountability to blame everybody else, but that's causing a lot of problems in my relationships, and people are often really pissed off at me, so I might need to look at some accountability, right, or or whatever that is that could be. So, and I think sometimes we don't know if it's both useful and true, and that's you know when I think stuff like journaling and processing and talking to other people. Because if you don't know the answer, sometimes you don't know if you need to take action, you know? That can be confusing. One of my other questions, and I, this might just tie directly to it, is yeah. like, I don't know how to say this. And I like practice this with one of my friends. I was like, I asked her the question. She's like, I think I know what you're asking. So if this makes no sense, like we can just cut this out, Maddie. <laughs> Perfect. But like, are, it, not are, is, is it possible that potentially a thought error is a signal or a clue of like a possible partial truth. So it's very possible that we can identify this as a thought error, right? Mm -hmm. 
but there likely is a reason, consciously, subconsciously, whatever, that this thought occurred, right? Oh, yeah. So it is valid to think, Mm -hmm. or is it, I should say, I don't know what I'm talking about (laughs) Is it valid to think that there are truths, partial truths, living in thought errors? And if so, how do you pull out the truth and let go of the rest? This is where things get tricky. (laughs) Mm, This is why we brought an expert, (laughs) y'all. We have thoughts and no answers. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, well, again, so we have to back it up one more step down the behavior chain. Can you give us the behavior chain again quickly? Yes. So in the forward direction, we have a triggering event, core belief, thought. Feeling, behavior, reinforcement. So if we're doing the process of backing into it, which is what I call is where we, we move backwards on the chain. So we had a feeling, which was like, whoa, that's a big feeling. Let me back into the thought. And so when that thought's complicated, let me back into the core belief there. And core belief work is a, is a little deeper, just like it sounds. But sometimes we have rules and core beliefs that were perfectly functional at some times in our lives, right? Like if you grew up in an abusive home, saying... Somebody yelling means I'm threatened and I'm scared, right? And so now as an adult, anytime somebody gets loud, maybe we get really agitated because we feel unsafe. So that core belief is valid and true at that time, but it no longer serves us because it's not applicable. So what we do in core belief work is we say, is this rule a good rule to have? And is it still serving me? So, you know, rules can be good. Family is important. That's a rule, right? So if I break that rule, I'm going to have an emotional consequence of that. So Maggie, was there like an example that you were thinking of where maybe these oh. thoughts are useful? You're not supposed to ask me true? questions back. <laughs> um, I think of like a real life kind of thing to something like to be helpful, feel like meat for the bones. No. Something to do with dishes. We always come back to... The I always dishes. talk about dishes. I always <laughs> talk always. about dishes. Poor Sean and Cam. <laughs> I like. Okay, okay, fine. We'll roll with it. So if we come home and we've talked about this <laughs> so many episodes, <laughs> so we, as in literally Maddie and myself, okay. come home <laughs> and we see we've had a long day at work and we got the dog to the vet. Or we picked up the kids or we did X, Y, Z, right? On top of work. Yeah. And then we come home and we're thinking about what we need to make for dinner. And then we see dishes in the sink and our partners are sitting on the couch. (laughs) Okay. And so my thought at that situation, right? My feeling, right, is like anger, resentment, annoyed. You name it. We're having that feeling. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So then the thought that comes with that likely is like, (laughs) like I'm laughing. It obviously is an error, but like, God, they never do anything. Like I am doing everything. It's that word, everything. I do everything all the time, always, and they never help. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I can self-identify those words, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. Hot air. Also, logically, not true. Right. They both do do things around the house. Right? Right. But in that moment, like my feelings can still be valid. Mm-hmm. In that moment, they really aren't doing anything. 
Like, so give me the truth, evidence. Yeah? <laughs> Get, show me what the fuck you've done today, okay? Because <laughs> it's not as much as me, I promise you. <laughs> okay, that's the spiral, Jess. So what do you do with that? And so that even, I would almost... This could almost go off into like what I call the six core emotions. Like every emotion has a function. So I think the the function again, the function of anger is to give you a voice, right? So I'd say, oh, we're having every kind of feeling on the anger spectrum: mad, pissed off, resentful, annoyed, irritable. Those are all anger things. So I'd say, okay, right. if the point of anger is to give us a voice, I'm guessing you probably need to set a boundary or ask for help. Would be the resolution to that because your thoughts are distorted because you're agitated. So a middle ground is, you know what? I probably have done a lot of things. They are not helpful. This is a barrier to me getting dinner done, and I probably need to request that they pitch in. So that'd be both useful and true. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, we could go, we could back into it of, if you want to do core belief work, you, you cascade the question of, is it, if this was true, then what? So you said something like, um, I, nobody's helping me do the dishes, and I'm really pissed off, and I do everything by myself. So if Mm -hmm. I was to say, if that was true, then what? Um, I probably wouldn't be with him. (laughs) Like, I wouldn't stay in that situation. Yeah. If this was true, I would feel unappreciated. And I couldn't. Yeah. And I wouldn't continue to put myself in that situation. Yeah. Okay. So then we'll go one. So if that was true, then what? then that would require some a lot of action and would also cause additional feelings of sadness and disappointment and loneliness and fear of loss. Of loss? Your family would feel that? I would if I left. Oh, well, oh, yeah, I would. hope they would miss me too. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so, and if that were true, then what? So you have some core belief probably around family and what partnership and running a household looks like, right? Mm -hmm. And so that rule is being unmet, which is probably good rules to have, and your family probably should be pitching in on the dishes there, right? So, again, that thought is exaggerated. It is a thought error because you're using hyperbolic language. But I think your anger is justified because you probably really do need to set a boundary there and have some kind of voice about the situation that's making you mad, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's both. And, and I think that can be one of the criticisms of CB cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT in general, is that they say the objective is not to turn off emotions, right? It's to use them uh, effectively and with their context, you know? It's, I think probably exactly what I had originally phrased as a very bad question. of mm-hmm. like, are these signals for possible partial truths or whatever? Yeah. Like, yeah, the partial truth could be it's useful or true. Like that one of those, well, those could, could be true. Be true. Right? That's that like the whole truth would be it's useful and true. Yeah. What I had asked before having the language that you gave us of useful and true, like I think I was in the situ- uh, mindset of like what if one of those things is true and the other one's not, right? Ah. And, and we're saying it likely then requires inaction, right? If we're going back to like those steps, like if it's not useful and true, we don't need to act on it. Well, it could depend. It, it could depend if it's causing us distress. We might need to 
react to it internally. It might not be a behavior that we engage in, but we might okay, need to say, yeah. hey, I'm now I'm ruminating. I'm just thinking, I, I do everything. They do nothing. That's on a thought yeah. loop, right? It's like I probably need to check in on those thoughts or I'm probably going to be resentful and mad all night. And, yeah. you know, so again, does it require action? Not, not necessarily. Maybe not physical. Yeah, yeah. But if we want to check our thoughts because we don't want to feel that way for the rest of the night, that would be some sort of uh, attention given if nothing yeah. else, you know? Yeah. Okay. That's fair. This question from you, Maggie, brings up a point, um, or at least a question I have myself, and I feel like, like many things, even though this is often a negative interaction for ourselves, um, is there some, like, biological need behind it? Like, even though it's unpleasant, it's the result of us trying to protect ourselves or something? Yeah, you mean, like, thought errors in in general? Yeah. Like, how did they develop? Yeah, it's almost kind of like a schema that gets run awry where we're like we're applying things inappropriately or like we're applying something that doesn't fit anymore or applying it at too high of an, of an intensity our brain's always looking for shortcuts you know because living is stimulating and tiring so it's almost kind of like a mental shortcut that's gone a little a little awry you know yeah because it's a habit you know so it's like short short circuiting the whole processing by just letting us come to like automatic thoughts right and in the example you gave earlier, I think with somebody maybe growing up in a more like hostile environment where there was a lot of screaming, in that instance, it probably was helpful to maybe have that like more black and white thinking so that you could remove yourself quicker. Stay safe. But as you're yes. saying now, maybe that doesn't apply as much anymore. So we've got to do some rewiring. Exactly right. Yeah. Our, our brain loves shortcuts, especially when it's high, high energy. It has to make quick responses to things, you know. Okay, so when we need to rewire, like, how? Mm-hmm. How do you reframe these thoughts? Yeah. How do you retrain your brain or rewire the connections um, mm-hmm. when the experiences you had that requ- potentially required the use of these errors to stay safe or whatever it was um, are so deep and strong? And we know that those experiences are tied to both your thoughts, your safety, which is a biological need, like those are very ingrained, right? And yeah. for good reason, like we said. So if you find yourself having some of these thought patterns, um, how, how do you do that? Like reframe them to be healthier for you in your current situation, right? Yeah, and if that can be, that can be dangerous sometimes too right so if somebody's having severe you know trauma responses or ptsd don't go off and do this willy-nilly like you need to go to therapy because there's it takes a lot of practice and like we don't want you to go ripping off band-aids if you don't know how to attend first aid so just want to put that disclaimer out there but um i think i think what what i what seems to be helpful with clients is you kind of can pick one area where maybe you're having usually work and love they, they say it tends to be the highest areas of dysfunction. So that could be your relationships, any kind of work dynamics. Could, sometimes even picking something like just recreation or I just want to practice when I'm just when I'm driving. Just picking some really simple domain and just starting to attune to your thoughts. So you're going to notice, again, hyperbolic language, words that you're using that are creating these big emotions. We're going to back into it, useful and true. And the overarching skill is something called reframing, which... Basically, we're going to repackage this thought into a way that makes it pass both the useful and true test. So there's really explicit tools, like how I said, you know, these thought errors have names. Some of them, if I say reframing, most people can kind of work through what it needs to do to pass the useful and true test. 
Um, so the example, you know, I gave when we were doing our podcast that I like a lot is I don't want to go to work. Right. So, oh God, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to work. I'm just dreading it. Right. So I'm feeling agitated, resentful, whatever. That is true. I don't want to go to work, but it's not very <laughs> useful because I kind of need to pay my bills. So if I internally say, okay, useful and true, I need to go to work. I can kind of check in and say, work's not my favorite, but it's Friday and I got one more day I'm looking forward to the weekend. I can kind of like work my way through of like what is going on in my life that helps me both hold the fact that I don't want to go to work and lets me have that, but helps me actually get to work. So there's like really explicit, you know, tools of shifting the perspective, taking it to court, thought stopping, all these different tools. But generally, that's kind of what I would say. Um, so like, Maddie, do you have an example of something from like the last week where you maybe have a lot of thought errors about it that we can use as an example? Um. I don't know specifically about the last week, but I was definitely thinking more generally. I bring this up every single episode, and you guys are both familiar um, that I struggled very deeply with body and food things for a long time. I was literally about to say, with my food yeah, and body. Yeah, I got to talk about it. <laughs> totally. But seriously, I the therapy that I also mention every episode, that all <laughs> had to do with like cognitive distortions for me where I had yeah. to reframe things. So there was once a time where I thought if I weigh over – x amount of pounds then mm-hmm. i'm a bad person i'm unlovable x y and z and i full-heartedly believe that and the coaches or therapists yeah. that i worked with helped me very very slowly and still to this day reframe those things um mm-hmm. and i think one of the most powerful things that my coach had said to me at the time i was so frustrated that i'm like i know i should feel this way or just like believe this is truth but i'm just not there yet and she was like maddie these thoughts you've been having for like over a decade. It makes sense that if you're just now starting to shift them and tell yourself something else, it's the same as a muscle. Like it's not going to feel true to you. But if I continue to tell myself that and really lean into that truth, well, now today I'm at a much different place where I accept those things a lot easier. So I guess that's more broad, but I mean, I'm proof that it works at the same time. As totally. many other people are. That's a really great point of like it's it does take it's an it's a pattern right like they're they're thoughts so you would think if you think it you must think it's true but like it really takes some convincing because there is there's a lot of new data that needs to be gathered right we need to get different feedback loops and have different outcomes so that we know oh this actually is valid this this is impactful you know but that takes a lot of work there. So the idea you gave of if I weigh X amount, I'm not worthy kinds of things. Is that thought useful? No. I think Maggie and I also always talk about this. I feel like it was, I thought it was useful in the sense that society told me I needed to fit whatever body size or whatever body shape. And so if I was accepted by society, then I was safer so I guess there is an oh. element to, of truth there, but overall it was causing me a lot of mental distress on a daily, hourly, minute basis. So overall it was not the truth or useful. And that's a really good point where like our disorders can use cognitive distortions that are useful to it, you know, and like it's really hard to do that work, if, especially if you're 
going there for a specific kind of like ailment because it can really hijack it of like this really serves my disordered eating or this serves my substance use or whatever it is that you're, you're going through. It's a lot of unpacking that goes on there, you know? And so what would, what it look like for you to start reframing if we're saying, okay, if I weigh X amount, I'm not worthy. It's not useful or true because it's causing distress and disruptive patterns. How did you like start to reframe that so that it was both useful and true? I think for me, I guess going a little bit off the subject of weight alone, I had a lot of food rules and restrictions. And so Mm -hmm. for me, it took alleviating some of those. And while I was engaging with those foods or beginning to reintroduce them, it felt very wrong because those were foods that prior I was like, you're a horrible person. You have no self-discipline if you eat these foods. Um, But once I began to allow them, it was kind of like building up that evidence that like, oh, I'm eating the foods and I pretty much feel the same. I look the same. (laughs) It was kind of like a matter of me having to build up that evidence that that was okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Really come a long way on that. That's some like hard work, and that's to why do. I mention it every episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think about it a lot. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard work. So, like, and I think it takes it can take like years sometimes to one day you kind of like, wow, I, I uh, am thinking a lot different. You kind of have these moments where you kind of check in, and you're like, holy cow, this is really impactful. Oh yeah, you know, that useful and true. And I like that you you said that too. When we break rules, and even sometimes when we challenge thought errors, we have guilt, right? And that's coming from these like irrational rules that we have. So like guilt tells us when we've broken a rule and that's that emotional reasoning of just because I feel guilty doesn't mean I'm bad you know but if we don't have those like policing skills and we start doing things and people even respond to boundaries or we get all these things you know it's like you are already equipped to know okay these feelings might not be valid either because my thought process preceding them might be invalid it's like what you're doing with Maggie and it's like and then what's the truth well what's the truth of that Mm -hmm. it was kind of what I would have to do is like dig into it more when I was feeling guilty to be able to recognize, like, oh, that's just because that's what society and diet culture has told me I was meant to believe. It was a lot of, like, digging deeper and deeper yeah. into things. And your core belief was something like you're only as valuable as you are petite or, yep. or attractive or something like that. So there's a lot of, like, self-worth that you had unpacked there. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. I kind of, um, one of the tangents I had written down was, like, um once we identify that we're having a thought error yeah. and specifically like patterns of thought errors, right? Like, yeah. God, I'm thinking this shit again, right? Like, I think what can happen is, not can, does, does happen, I think, consciously or not, is we begin to like gaslight ourselves oh, yeah. or shame ourselves for like having these things. And like Maddie said, like, I should know this by now or I shouldn't have these feelings the should right mm-hmm. like I already identifying those words like yeah I um I'm better than this like I know I trust myself so why the hell can I just figure this out and stop thinking these things right and we end up like gaslighting yeah. ourselves and then that for me was like a direct error arrow error like <laughs> a arrow slip, yeah. of um that concept of like spiraling so when I say like a spiral like Mm. literally a couple of my friends and I were like you know they'll say they'll send a text and then they'll literally send the little emoji thing that it's like a blue spiral and that's like this signal like I recognize I'm now like spiraling into like things that may or may not be true right and I'm like feeding into this um thought that I know doesn't 
isn't completely valid, mm -hmm. right? And so a lot of that, even when we have the awareness, mm -hmm. right? Like even if we have that first step, um, then I think what's real or what I recognize even to myself sometimes maybe is that gaslighting spiral that sometimes occurs or follows that. And then it's hard to identify anything as useful yes. or unuseful. Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. Mm -hmm. Because you're basically, you're so kind of like tight into the spiral that you lose perspective is kind of like what's happening there. Yeah. And even saying? when you start to identify what the error is or identify this is not useful and it's not true, then why am I thinking that? And why, why can't I just figure this shit out? And why can't, like, and why did that person yeah. say that then? If it's not true, why did they make that suggestion or... You know, like, yeah, I think those ideas of like spiraling is true, which then let me on another tangent, talk about like spirals, not necessarily in a good or bad way, but this yeah. led to a different thought of like, it's then potentially projecting maybe is the word mm -hmm. our own anxieties potentially or insecurities into that story yeah. about what others are experiencing or feeling mm -hmm. without actually knowing the truth of what they're thinking or feeling right right so then you're so you're saying like you start off with some like rumination then it goes in full-blown spiraling and now we're doing like mind reading and we're doing projection yes, and now we're like this reading. whole fantasy yes, projection. so now yes. we have this whole fantasy of what's actually going on and nothing actually talk about occurred. irrational thinking like right. you are irrational at that point when you're like <laughs> <laughs> just like, like caught your oh elbows. my god yeah where i had so many of our yeah. to pull myself out of this and yeah. I just didn't. I just kept going down the rabbit hole. That happens. And that's a function of anxiety. You know, a lot of... Uh, oh, God. And, like, hyperactivity. Right on the top. Okay. <laughs> right? And so I say there's a couple different sayings, but, like, you know, your brain's kind of like a cockroach infestation, right? So, like, when it's closed off and it's just kind of dark and it's self-contained, it gets overrun. But if you just open up, you know, crack the door and there's light and you shine a flashlight, everything kind of scatters. So it's the, the when we're caught like in a spiral, we have to disrupt the spiral is like step one, because we're not going to like, again, this is almost opposite CBT, but there's times where you just cannot think your way into right acting. Like you're too deep into it, especially if your emotional state's up, right? If you're high anxiety or really high irritability, you're not going to be, we need to, we need to, need to be the emotion first before we back into okay. the thought, yeah. right? So like, Hey, go soothe yourself, take a walk outside. Let's calm down. Let's calm our bodies down. And then we'll back into the thought. Okay. But lots, and there's, there's two kind of things I would say for that thought stopping is really, it's just like what it sounds like. I have clients imagine a big old red stop sign and you just say, stop brain. We're done now. We're not going to think about that anymore. And you're going to have to do it over and over again because the compulsive brain is going to pick that thought back up. But sometimes it's just imagining a hand or a police officer and we're just going to stop it's nice it's or just, you now I'll just picture or you, you yeah like, with my hand and my my plants very firm <laughs> yeah <laughs> picturing so it's just stop and it's just talking to your brain like it's outside of yourself of like that's enough brain yeah we're done I'm not doing that mm -hmm. anymore uh -huh. and it also sometimes just be acceptance of you know what I'm stuck in a fever of obsession and I don't know how to break that the fever is gonna break but I'm kind of probably gonna be amped up for an hour or two and I probably shouldn't talk to anybody during that time and I just need to like ride this out a little bit that that probably sounds like a cop out but from a therapeutic perspective sometimes we can get so frustrated with what our brains do when like we don't get to choose 
the diseases yeah. that our brains have, right? They're going to do what they do. So sometimes just saying, brain, we're on the same side. I don't really know what you got going up in there. You're a mess. And like, you're going to figure it out. But like, we're along for the ride now and you're struggling today, you know, and just kind of working in harmony with it as opposed to like white knuckling that we think differently. Probably not going to happen. Yeah, I think I, something you've taught me, not necessarily in this perspective, but when we talk about like the awareness, the acknowledgement of a feeling or thoughts about a situation, yeah. um, that idea of action or inaction, mm. we don't have to make that decision right away, right? whether or not it requires action or inaction, right? So like you've modeled this in the last couple of months of like, oh. I'm having, you know, <laughs> having I'm having feelings. all these feelings, <laughs> these right. thoughts, right? I don't actually have to act on that like today. Like I can let this sit and then maybe tomorrow if it's still causing thoughts or feelings, then maybe it does require action. Mm-hmm. But A, mm-hmm. I'll hopefully be a little more chill about it or level-headed potentially, right? Yeah. And or I'll know if it's actually important to me if I'm still thinking about it tomorrow. And if I'm not, then maybe it was one of those situations that does not require action. I love, and I think that always puts you in a position of like responding when you're not being reactive, which I yes. I think gives yes. you a good chance at like making good decisions because right? you're not being like volatile. Yeah, and that's where that action and an action comes in, like that you guys were referencing, huh? Of like, okay, I noticed yeah. it, but like it could also it live there. You have to do anything about it. Yeah, yeah. That's that mantra. I was living that too. Of like, if it's urgent, it's not important, and if it's important, it's not urgent. And that there are you've lived that oh and that man is... that's been my jam it's just there's very few things in life that are true emergencies you know and that's that emotional reasoning can tell us like you have to figure this out right now that's almost never the case very it's probably it's just because we can't tolerate that feeling right because we don't like feeling uncomfortable exactly. and we don't like not being in control or for me i'm i'm definitely me too yeah i don't want to like sit in an uncomfortable feeling so if i feel like i can take control of a situation whether or not it's the right action it feels good to take action sometimes. Oh, yeah. Right? We've all heard a lot about me and this tracks. So I think, like, that's maybe part of it, right? Is, like, it's yeah. a, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I have the power to do something about it. Mm-hmm. So I do it, but it doesn't mean it was, like, the right thing or the best thing or something that even needed to be addressed. And I do that even with stuff that's framed as good. Like, I'll, I want to go, like, apologize right away sometimes even. Or things that you yeah. feel like you should do where it's, like... That, there's no emergency that needs to happen with that, you know? I was thinking about this a lot. Almost everything in life, the main consequence is negative emotion. When we think about things that scare us, sometimes there's risk of, like, bodily harm or something. But even, like, if I was to go, you know, do something horrifically embarrassing, all that would happen is that I'd feel embarrassed. But, like, yeah, that yeah. we live a lot of our lives of, like, avoiding emotion, you know? And I think even if we learn of... Emotions are just signals, you know? This anxiety yeah. isn't something that requires changing, you know, it's just a state that I'm in for the next 20 minutes. And then 20 minutes later, I might feel differently, you know? I think we need to have you back for a whole emergency urgency episode. That sounds great. It is my jam. It's like the mantra to live by. I've been telling it to everybody. Very evangelical (laughs) on the emergency. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm going to picture evangelical Jess. Who's telling me to stop. So, I, I don't know why. I just now think of you with like a shining halo and stop. stop sign hands. Oh, no. And yeah, I know. It's a great visual. Or there's an, I love mantras too. There's one that's like, don't just do something, sit there. 
Where it's like, yeah, it's like the hurry up and wait. Yeah, of like, the sometimes the best yeah. thing you can do is like just remember of like, this is not going to kill me, and I'm doing everything I can to avoid this emotional state, and also I'm okay. You know, that's hard. That's yeah. really uncomfortable. And just like you said mm-hmm. earlier, it's going to take practice. Like, I know when I was doing a lot of this work myself pretty heavily, like that idea of just telling my brain to stop, I was like, well, that's not going to happen. Not going to work. But yeah, yeah, I yeah, kept yeah. practicing it as. I say in so many episodes and it does get easier. So don't like for some listeners, I don't want them to be like, that's not going to work for my brain. Like at least give it a shot. And it takes, and it takes time too. And also I tell clients like these cognitive skills, I think are best for like a little bit lower on the scale of intensity, right? If somebody's in a panic attack, I'm not going to be like, Hey, let's, what were you thinking about? Right. There's other like, let's back (laughs) into that. Right. So like if there's like really high distress, there might be other things that we need to do first to like meet that emotional need. It, it, this isn't going to be like my go-to of like that's chicken on your, on your thoughts until somebody's in like a rational state, you know? So there's some of that too. It's not a one size fits all kind of thing with thought errors and reframing. Well, I just came up with like 37 topics that we need you back for. Oh, I would love that. Um, you might just be a standing guest on said podcast. Yeah. Um, that was helpful very helpful i can get too wordy so if i need to like clarify or anything let me know i know i do too so (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about you i'm really quiet and short-winded so (laughs) definitely that's two words i'd use to describe you for sure (laughs) 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 sorry y'all um that was great i think like i said this was helpful i loved like the one or two, three takeaways is luckily coming back to very similar steps of just like the awareness is key. Mm-hmm. And then recognizing that not everything is true. So it doesn't, re- not everything will, that comes into your purview requires your mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think out of all the tools you gave us for me, the one that I think will stick with me because it in theory is simple. It is simple, really, is the useful and true. I think that's like a good yeah, tool. I Absolutely. Guess, yeah. To just start to recognize. Yeah. It's been my favorite way so far. I've figured out how to how to describe it. Clients seem to find that helpful, so Well, as do we. As do we, as do I. As do us all. As does the whole pod. <laughs> verse is that a thing i don't know that is now you listeners it is now (laughs) everyone's going to be going around using it and also we should post a picture of jess in the show notes i've been really bad about show notes i gotta figure those out but i just want to create a cartoon of jess with a halo and stop sign hands oh i would love that send me the pictures i'll get on canva right now (laughs) oh yeah okay this is about to get real y'all Okay, we're excited about this. So thank you, Jess, for coming. This was incredibly helpful and loved bringing in kind of a different perspective. Totally. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.